1: Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: There's no
0: place to escape to. This is the last. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started.
1: Man, oh man, back on the road again.
3: Back yeah. on the road, baby. Me and my
1: boys.
3: <laughs> yeah. My two
1: sweet sons and I, just covered with semen. No, all in each. No, is that bad? Way to start.
3: <laughs> oh, no. yeah. I mean, you can start it however you want to. I'm not covered in in navel juices. No, you
1: know, I definitely wiped. <sighs>
3: Thank you, uh, Henry. What's up, everyone?
1: This Back is- on the road
3: again. <laughs> Back on the road again. What's up, everyone? This is the relaxed fit. That's the kind of jeans I wear. Yeah episode of last podcast on the left we're in beautiful vancouver
1: it's fine it's great it's fine <laughs> i definitely went and this is i mean in very typical canadian fashion i went to get our rental car because we're driving this whole time we're going to yeah. drive down to seattle we're going to drive down to portland and the guy the the guy that was a uh, checking me out not not hitting on me but g- giving me
3: the car giving me the car he was just giving you the car. I'm not. I'm just
1: trying to figure out what's the terminology. The just, guy who rented me the fucking car. Yeah. The guy who walked around, he made me spin around. He did had not make the, you spin around. I had to spin around. <laughs> no, he he said, I got to check around. for dings. He first he said, he's like, oh, I got to check for dings. And he walked around the Explorer trying to check for dings. And he's just like... Now I got to check, double check for dings. And then he uh, went and made the me, car? I went around and he was just like, oh, there's a divot here. And then he put a finger right in my fucking ass. Oh, though. right. Yeah. Well, you're Henry Zabrowski.
3: <laughs> We're with Marcus and I'm Ben, of course. But you all probably already know that.
1: But I um, was getting, I was getting checked out. I was getting molested. By the man at Enterprise. I'm not. Again, I I wasn't. I don't
3: think that you were. I just have it
1: on the blind. I have it on the mind. Um, It
3: seems like you wanted to get molested by the man at Enterprise.
1: I was waggling it. It
3: seems like you were.
1: I wasn't wearing a shirt. I have my little (laughs) short shorts on. Is is the marriage going south? What's happening? Well, uh, my wife and I make love. Okay.
3: well, <laughs> we'll have we to do. have Natalie in here for a her point, counterpoint. <laughs> we really do. We really, really do. Um,
1: but he said, he's like, so oh, so why do you get into today? Oh, when you're done getting your explorer there. And I was like oh, I don't know, I was going to walk around, maybe do something touristy, walk around Gastown or something. He's like, oh, you're going to do a thing that boring people do. And I was like, what if I have a straight razor? <laughs> well, what if you a straight could. razor and I slash open your face? Yeah, Honestly, I was trying
4: to get a cab today, and I was put on hold, and then the whole message came back and said, you know, we all hate being on hold, Yeah, but yeah. it's better than hanging up and calling again, so just wait a couple of minutes. I
3: do we all do it? me. We all hate being on hold, and it is better to just stay on hold and, and don't call again. I don't need to be told that. Uh, yep. no. I don't need to be told that like I'm some well, kind of fucking
1: moron. He's a grown man.
3: There's a reason the queen is on the currency here in Canada. It's a nanny state. But that's okay. Sometimes you need to be reassured. If you're heavy full of methamphetamines, if you are like if your brain is completely messed up, my, a good reminder. My, stay my only on queen. Hold. Don't call back.
1: My only queen's RuPaul. That's the true. the only person
3: I, I herald to, Honestly, and I will be her subject. And this is a little political, but get Harriet Tubman on the 20, Marcus? Sure. Yeah. Paul on the 5. Ooh, i do it. <laughs> I'm calling it. I'd spend those fives. <laughs> um,
1: there's a story I wanted to bring up today in our Relax Fit episode. Can yes. you feel just how relaxed this is? I think yeah. they just,
3: can. Just
1: how much room your clotted knees have just sitting around uh-huh. in your big old, old Navy circus tent, relaxed fit jeans. Ooh, that's me. It isn't. Nice. I love that. Uh, but so we had a listener recently send a letter to me. Yes. That was, uh, I thought it was interesting. Send a little email. And he was talking about how he has a neighbor that is a bit obese, right? Right. And it, his father would say to him, they were like talking about stuff, and he would get these big pizza deliveries all the time. He said, the, neighbor, get, would. the neighbor would get all these pizza deliveries. Of course,
3: deliveries. he's overweight. Yeah. You got to, I, I get the pizzas. I get it. Yes. I see
1: what you do. Oh, yeah. I know your yeah. lifestyle. And, um, the father at some point said to his son, Hey, just so you know, if he ever asked you to go over there, just, uh, if he asked you to take a shit in a pizza box, make sure you get a lot of money for it. He said this to him, and he he made it like a boogeyman, like, within their, like, the father used it as a teaching lesson, saying, like, don't trust strangers, because sometimes they will ask you to take a shit in a pizza box, and he just thought that that was, like, an idiosyncratic thing that his father came up with.
3: Honestly, I think that that, as far as parenting goes, that's a great father tip to stranger danger. It's an incredibly...
1: No, that's not stranger danger at all. That's,
4: he he said, "If he asked you to take a shit in a pizza box, get money for
3: it." Yeah, oh, he didn't get say get money for it. Tell
4: me, it. To no. call a cop. No, he, he said, said make money. money
3: for it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, get money for right? it. Right,
1: <laughs> that's what my father would do. Exploit <laughs> the pervert. Yeah, that's what you do. You drain him. You drain it. <laughs> drain his wallet. Then you
3: drain his balls. I mean, if everyone's on the up and up here, we got a bunch of adults. You know, when you want to dump in of pizza course, boxes, Kessel. go go this do are talking about. Okay. So, the there's someone lesson. listening to right now taking a dump in a Domino's box, just be like, "Oh, I hope they don't make fun of me for doing this. <laughs> this I is my this lifestyle. Show. I love this show so much. I'm just a <laughs> dumper in pizza just boxes. Leave me alone. This
1: is what I like to do. I make them hot and long." <laughs>
3: It's like a new Pizza Hut pizza. But it turns out
1: that was not just some random thing that the father was saying to him. It's actually based upon a guy I have the unfortunate opportunity to have now in the center of my brain was... Pusspoo ba- in the
3: pizza box is a true story.
1: Yes, it's based upon a man named Edward Savitz. Ed Savitz, who was an American businessman in the, um, he basically was also a ph- philanthropist. Uh, he was an actuary, and he was eventually arrested for paying thousands, thousands uh-huh. of boys. And young men for engaging in anal and oral sex, sure, I guess. That's normal. Well, no, that's but they're not, they're boys. They're children. He they're w- boys. He purchased over three hundred and twelve bags <laughs> of boys' underwear that was found in a storage unit. And he would often have boys come to his house and shit in pizza boxes. And he would take those pizza boxes and he'd put them back in the storage unit just like it's like it's an old sweater.
3: Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I need what's the name of that stupid reality? show where they they do the storage storage wars storage Oh wars. my god. If someone is just like I'll do 200, 250, 300. Okay. okay, what's in these bags?
1: Oh, it seems to be a bunch of clothes. Let me just <laughs> These are boys underwear.
3: Honestly, but they would be like and then when they're just tally cuz they do like 300 for the unit and then they yeah. tally up what they find in the unit, I wouldn't be surprised if there were like this is $50,000
2: worth of boys' underwear.
3: This well, is incredible. And they just sell it to, like, I don't even know what disgusting billionaire out there that wants it. Warren Buffett. Oh, I don't want to diss on Warren Buffett. No,
1: Warren Buffett does not have nearly as spicy enough of an interest as in sniffing boys' underwear.
3: That's the thing with the Buffett. He's got so much money. Yeah. But he just, I really. But that's think... how he keeps it. He doesn't spend it. Yeah, it's he super doesn't boring.
1: spend it on little boys' underwear.
4: No, he I doesn't. understand
3: that, but he also <laughs> doesn't spend it on anything. As far as we know. I, mm-hmm. That's true.
1: But if you want to buy full-grown woman's or man's underwear i say more power to him he makes him a japanese president
3: absolutely <laughs> why
1: not have fun um but what i then so long story short because we you know we don't really cover things truly in depth in any relaxed fit episode but i was started researching so this is a, Ed this is a
3: small poo poo not a long poo poo story it's
1: just okay there's just a couple things involved here number one there's a massive conspiracy theory that he might have been co- connected to Sandusky which is um I don't really? think is probably not that difficult cuz they w- would hang out at the same What's the term at the like fundraising parties? They were always there because that's what he would do. So because you know what Ed Savits ran, uh, obviously he ran in a a camp, essentially quote unquote camp, which was essentially a place where for troubled youth to go and be rebuilt, rehabilitated, and so so he would groom these kids and basically he would pay them. He had an apartment on Rittenhouse Square. Uh, Mm. for a period of time that became like the center for all of his activity he was there uh almost they say believe as far back as 1975 he basically would offer kids money to come party and it would start with the the like what we saw with dean coral or john wayne gacy okay where it would start with you guys got to come back we're going to play some grab ass there's going to be skinny dipping with girls (laughs) but (laughs) it's (laughs) with girls but it just seems like it's all old dudes yep okay and young men and people would complain about the heavy metal types, which they called the little boys coming out of there, like just fourteen year olds with long dark hair and like and fucking Pantera shirts on. That were basically, he would say, "Come over." They'd all horse around. They'd get into the pool and skinny dip, right? Where he'd play know, this again, game. Where you're,
3: you're really loosely using the word horse around. Yeah, oh, it was I mean, horse we were horsed around with our friends growing up. I'm pretty sure defecation in pizza boxes was never included. In I'd that. say
4: play grab ass would be better. Oh uh, distra- well,
3: sure, yeah, but a
1: horse yeah. around was also was happening, especially when the old man. Is there hung like a goddamn horse? I, oh,
4: oh,
1: and he would, he would I, basically. Oh, they oh, said oh, that my. he would play this game where he'd get real close to you in the pool, and he would do the thing like a horse's tail, where he'd like the penis just kind of touch the back of your legs, right? And he'd be like, "Oh, that's a, what a mistake I just made." Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, what a funny I, little I mistake.
3: An yeah. And so
1: he eventually, what you do then, you should create like a shame circle where then everybody's kind of like feeling kind of icky and weird about the fact that they're a bunch of thirteen-year-olds with other thirteen-year-old girls that he also made get naked and they gave everybody weed and booze but slowly but surely it turned into here's $10, give me that underwear you play baseball today? Give me that underwear. And then he'd go like literally be like, he'd have them go run around outside until uh-huh. they get nice and sweaty. Then he'd get the Ugh. underwear, right? And he'd keep it in a bag. And they called him, they called him Uncle Eddie, but some people just called the underwear sniffer, which was like, if you have the nickname of the underwear sniffer in the <laughs> oh, neighborhood, right. why are people going well, over to the house?
4: Yeah. They also called him Fast Eddie.
1: Yeah. old Fast Eddie. And his, one of his other favorite uh, things is then.
3: Is a car dealer? What's going on with this guy? He's, he's an asshole.
1: Actuary is an actuary, and he looks like what's his name's character. Um, Big Boy did it. He looks like what's his name, Dustin Hoffman's uh, character from Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. And but he'd have this other game where he'd go underneath a, a, a potty training seat and they'd shit into his mouth. And then what he'd do, he'd feed them different types of foods uh, to make the shit taste better. Well, according, but,
3: uh, yes. according to this Wikipedia page here, so he did keep the feces in pizza boxes and uh, evidently he told the boys to eat cheese to make their feces taste better so he was he was a cheese Poop, poop, guy. I don't it's know. It's a whole thing. This is a hard way to start the episode. <laughs> so yeah.
4: gross. That's, great. that's a scat connoisseur.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a so he was like Oh, that's a
3: mozzarella. It's a sommelier. a egg.
1: mozzarella.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a nice mozzarella. Uh,
1: but he, oh, oh, God. one of the things aside, why really, are we talking about this again? I don't know. Again? But you know you, what it is? You
3: have, you have been fixated on this. Your brain. It's I haunting can tell me. right now. I've been reading Howard Stern's new book. Yes. You. This is a therapy session for you. It, Intel it bothers you have been me sitting this you've been sitting with this in your brain for what five days now yep Okay, so... The,
1: but the one thing that really sticks with me was the fact that th- they tried to put together a documentary for it. I guess there was a Kickstarter to start a documentary about his
4: story. Yeah, it was called The Resurrection of Uncle Eddie. Yeah. A
3: positive story? No! No! Okay, <laughs> thank God. No. no, you never know. Sometimes these dudes are just like, yes, I'm an actuary and <laughs> he's making a documentary about my it life. It is
1: perfectly normal for a man to love a boy. Can't a man love a dog? A man can love a boy. But the apparently, I guess the uh, owners of the Kicks her, you just stole a bunch of people's money and never made the movie. Well, it was uh, in 2015
4: that this was supposed to happen. And they put together a real nice sizzle reel. Like some of the characters, and because th- this all happened in Philadelphia, some of the characters they found were amazing.
1: There is just like this is kind of what I wanted to bring up. People. No, well, these are
4: guys that are grown up now because all this happened in the late 80s, and they're talking to these old these talk. They're talking to these men like 2015. So you know, it's 20 30 years right. after all of the events, and they're just like these. I mean, just. Just hard-bitten South Philly fucks.
1: These dudes are are intense, but it's the way they're talking about it. They're like, yeah, we never thought that there was like a thing about it. We thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He did this thing where he'd shit on the floor, and he asked my buddy to go lick it and give him 50 bucks and move away from the race. Like, oh. Oh, and they were all
3: talking
4: like, like it was the funniest, <laughs> funniest
3: <laughs> shit. So weird thing with poop, because remember after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that guy just... Happily ate horse shit.
4: You are obsessed with this guy. It is the horse. funniest <laughs> story
3: I've ever seen in my life because I actually rewatched the video recently and I didn't realize. Did you ever see this video? Did
1: you go to school to be an actuary? <laughs> no,
4: no. Because you bring just... up
3: you bring up the Philadelphia fan eating horse shit like once a week. Yeah, it is the single funniest thing in human history. The internet, I, I think it could go away other than our podcast, but uh-huh. as long as we have our podcast and that video, I'd be totally happy. Yes, because the guy celebrates. He wants, he's like, all right, good evening. eat. This. know. Everybody Every, knows the I video. know. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then at the end, I didn't realize because I, I showed it to another buddy at a bar. When you hang, I'm a little bar fly sometimes. What? Yes. Sometimes, and huh? Sometimes. And you, sometimes. T- you start talking sports. That's a funny,
1: that's a funny term.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's seven days in a week. Um, and then some of the time I'm at a bar. Um, I, was just, I was telling the buddy my story and it was about the guy who ate the horse shit. And then I showed the video again. And I didn't realize at the end of the video, the guy who ate the horse shit says, all right, who's next? <laughs> 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 and then no one was next because <laughs> no, everyone no. was just like, no, nah, oh. man, we can't oh. believe you did that. It shows
1: how like almost, I'm going to almost say the toxic masculinity of South Philly. Save these men from a lot of trauma later on, because in a way, okay. them laughing at all of this shit, because they were laughing at what I mean. Obviously, they're internalizing some extreme yeah, abuse. They might yeah, still I don't need
3: to go to therapy. I'm not saying they're safe, safe,
1: but I don't think they. Got over it just by saying, like, yeah, it was hilarious. (laughs) It's it's hilarious. the (laughs) way they talked about sucking this man's dick. I mean, like, yeah, you need an extra $10, you go up to Fast Eddie's. Because Fast Eddie, he was fast with the money, but also he was real fast with the shooting. And that's the best part. You only got to suck it for a little bit. Like, they were, like, saying stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's all you got to do. And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. it's
4: fucking awful. (laughs) But apparently the... uh, uh, makers of uh, the documentary uh, raised about twenty thousand uh, dollars, and I don't know if they took the money or not yeah. because it's it didn't because it's they did a Kickstarter page, uh, and but there's I, no documentary I haven't seen because I went looking for it. Well, I think I uh. don't think they met their goal. Well, this guy
1: honestly uh, that's I'm a shame because gonna... I want to hear more about the story. Unfortunately, yeah, there, yeah. I, I want to hear about the because it's mostly just about kind of what we dealt with with uh, Ed Buck. Of course. And the these guys that are which we've talked about constantly and one day when part of the Illuminati rundown of all of last podcast and left will be connecting all of these highly connected child molesters that are just like this well, guy. You know this guy is a part of
3: a this guy's a part of a fucking oh, system. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And stuff he's he is up out of nowhere and there no is it's a, a, a when it comes to the foster care system and the kids in in uh, in need of stuff, I mean it's a it's a pipeline for pedophilia. And they videotaped a lot of this shit too.
1: They were saying that he there's a lot of footage, there's a I lot of photos, say, and there's a lot of horrible shit that also serves as a blackmail system. I, yeah, and because especially with the guys he hung out with, but the reason why they they ended up getting him is they got two they got two kids to wear fucking wire. They actually got kids, they got bait kids to go in and being like. This my pal suck it Frank. He's like, yeah, I was born with my mouth in the shape of a circle. And Ed Shavitz is like, thank God you came. And then they went and then they he offered them money to have sex with them. And then the cops came in and busted him and talk about a way to deflate a boner.
3: Yeah. There it is. Well, thank God. But I would also argue. Ed Savitz is a serial killer. Yeah. Um, because he tested positive for HIV. Yes. And uh, so his arrest caused an AIDS scare all around Philadelphia. Because
1: he said he had sex with up. They assume, <clears throat> they, they look at the numbers and they talk with witnesses and they think it's upwards of 700.
3: So boys. it's very possible he gave AIDS to. You know, 700 people, and I'm sure certainly all of them would have died at that point in time because there was no yeah. treatment for it. So I think he's also probably a serial killer.
1: Yo, I would put that as a serial killer. I put yeah. that almost close to like a Harold Shipman. Like, oh, there's something about the passive nature. That's actually
3: very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Of somebody covered, who we...
1: kills many, pe- many people because that's more of a killer nurse, that's a killer doctor. But the idea of doing it through kind of like a medium, like doing a thing where I'm getting you sick, I'm do- like, I am killing you. But I'm not doing it with a knife or a gun, where it's like the doctors, when doctors yeah. become killers, and they do it in the very, what they almost view it in an almost passive way, even though it is active.
3: That's interesting, though. I wonder, we should cover a story about, oh, I guess we've just done that with Ed Savitz, but that is kind of an interesting thing, the idea of um, spreading disease as a... I mean because you, you would yeah, yeah.
4: well, I don't know if you would actually consider him a serial killer because who knows if he actually knew he had AIDS while he was doing? He it. said he knew he had AIDS. Oh he,
1: he was spindly, and when they caught him, he, he died literally six time. months later. Ah. he died like they basically caught him and he—he huh. he, they caught him in, in in late 1992 and he died early 1993 well, so he like got well the thing too is that you maybe actually you know what I take it back you may be right because it might just straight up just have been he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and he just wasn't yeah, he
3: acknowledging didn't know. it well it yeah, seems he like he was financially he actually, well off right so was he was incredibly went well off a doctor and they definitely knew how to diagnose that stuff so I wouldn't be surprised if he did know
4: but on the other hand like I don't think he was doing it in order to kill them because to Be a serial killer. You have to have intent. Hmm. Like you have to have actual. I don't. I I because I would not consider a serial to be a serial killer. You do have to have intent. Like I am trying to kill. These people with this method, uh, and if you don't have huh. that intent, then I wouldn't necessarily call you a serial killer. I could call you a mass murderer, but I don't think we should throw around the serial killer word. Just just word let's, be. let's not throw around don't. because I mean, Marcus is classify
1: these things. Marcus is doing the second draft of the book right now, so you do yes. not want to cross about serial killers because <laughs> he will honestly, cross the line. Yes, if
3: you're if you are someone who knows that world a little bit better, please email us side stories as. Side stories, L P O T L at gmail.com, because that is a really interesting conversation.
1: What if you're a mass, pe- mass no, marketed pedophile with AIDS? AIDS if just, you're a oh.
3: cop or a detective oh, no, or some, I thought that you were you someone that is seeding people slowly people, with HIV, yeah. Uh, yeah. We will forward that immediately to the FBI yeah. if you send that email. So please do not.
4: And also, if the makers of the documentary, uh, I'd like to know what happened with that. Like, I'd like to talk to those people. I'd like to know what happened because I don't think they stole the money because. Usually on Kickstarter, like, it says, like, Goal Met, right? Yes. And I went to their Kickstarter page, and it just said, like, Money Raised like $20,000, yeah. because what they need, they've got all of the- I guess it
1: was hard having Donnie, G, and Cokio yeah. be like, and the very thing being like, yeah, I'll eat shit. I'll eat shit right now if you give me $75. It was weird, <laughs> actually.
3: I just looked at their Kickstarter page, and it just says, that's a lot of poo-poo. <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't but like that title for it. It
3: very, <laughs> <laughs>
1: for the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of poo-poo. Well, I think what they need
4: the money for is the archival footage, mm. uh, is they have to pay uh, ABC, NBC, uh, Howard Stern, because Stern actually was the uh, was actually who wrote uh, really? the story. Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. 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 Because yeah, um, I listened to that clip. It's yeah. very, very funny because they did it sort of as a unfortunately humorous news, which is which is also they the way I just it like us. It. Yes.
3: Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm reading Stern's new book, which I highly recommend. Especially if you're an amateur um, interviewer out there, it's interesting to just kind of read an interview and see kind of his style. Mm -hmm. Um, And you realize that he –
1: because Nat got it too, and
3: we started reading it in the house, and it it is legitimately –
1: I was like, I, I never really understood that Howard Stern had a process before until I yeah. started really w- like reading the interviews. Me like, man, he really gets people to say whatever by asking. It's it's just asking really intense questions like yeah. up front, like no bullshit. Like him talking with I remember him doing a thing with uh, Ozzy Osbourne's son, Jack Osbourne, being like, you wear condoms like the do like with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. in front of it's pretty fun.
3: Yes, he is he is kind of fun, mm-hmm. dare I say, which is the name of the new wrestling podcast coming to the last podcast network at some point, uh, within what do you think? Two weeks? I'd say two to three weeks, yeah. Two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it'll be out there. Um all right. Well, so that's that dude. And what was that's this? horrible. What a horrible story. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Absolute. Story. Ed, I'm sorry I did this to everybody. Ed. I know. Ed Savitz, he was arrested. Uh, but, but again, it's not it's barely a story.
1: I just say, um, like have fun look it up yourself. Yeah.
3: Look it eh, up. It's, have fun uh, with it. Yeah, yeah 5,000 photographs of boys, 312 soiled boys' underwear. All right, so he was uh
1: Can I ask, maybe this is an appropriate disgusting. question, when it says soiled underwear, do you think it just means previously worn, or do you think there needs to be duke on it? I think soiled means previously worn. I think it means used
4: underwear, yeah. but demonstrably used. So it's got to have duke on it. It doesn't have to have
1: duke if it has sweat
4: stains on it. I think that's just fine.
1: How, how often are you sweating? I've never had sweat stains in my underwear. <laughs> oh, I'm sure
4: you have. I'm no, sure I mean, they, it
1: comes out. They get sweaty. <laughs> they get sweaty. Yeah, but after you
4: ta- say it's a real hot day, you take off your underwear after wearing it for 12 hours. Two now. to three is it, days. Is it dry? Is it demonstrable? No one that wants to think in? about our underwear. <laughs> we are not porn stars.
1: Well, I wear boxer boots. <coughs> oh. And now what I did is I got uh, I went and I got some fancier stuff that has like the wicking. Mm. I got some of the wicking stuff. So basically, it's like I'm wearing a golf shirt, but I'm wearing it on my balls. Great. What do you All got, right. Ben?
3: I just wear, honestly, my underwear. I, I go to a uh, a laundromat in uh, in Brooklyn. No,
4: not your underwear. What what are like your stories.
3: stories? Oh, I think we want to talk about underwear. <laughs> Uh, no, just, okay, just to wrap up on uh, on this dude here. So evidently he did know uh, Sandusky, and yes, they probably were together. Oh, yeah, they definitely and, and this, Eiffel the, Towered a couple of Boy Scouts and high-fived the, each the other, I'm second certain. Second Mile Foundation was the name of the foundation that Sandusky had. So anyway, mm-hmm. he's dead, and Sandusky, God knows what's happening to him in prison. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's do this story. Do you here. think they
1: even let him use the showers? Because at this point, I, I guess what? The people they don't to force worry about him into it.
3: the showers. Yeah. Right.
1: But I mean, like, but he's not even that like he's not like this is maybe he's inappropriate. He's big. <laughs> maybe this he's is inappropriate to say, but like he's kind of gross to want to have sex with. Right. It's I'd, prison.
4: I would imagine Jerry Sandusky is in protective custody 23 hours a day and gets maybe a shower a week.
3: Yeah. Yeah. In either way, we, we we do our jokes here, but prison rape is a real uh, problem in this country, and it's something that needs to be addressed. I'm not pro it. I know you're not, but also when you say I'm not pro it, that does make people think maybe he's pro it. No, I say <laughs> no, I'm no, not pro say, it no, so that no it can't, it's on the
1: record. It's on the record. That's Lord. all that matters is the record.
3: That's what happened with O'Donnell, the, uh, the candidate, where she's, her first campaign ad was, I am not a witch. And then everyone's like, maybe she's a witch. Anyway. Fly from your grave.
1: Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you will love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if you have another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in.
3: Right from your grave. All right, let's move on to this carnival worker. Obviously, there's a stigma of carnival workers, but sometimes stigmas apply. Yeah, because, I mean, is Carney <laughs> racist? We found oh, out you that people.
1: I don't know because I found out when we said we got Carnival, some more of our sensitive Newfoundlander uh, <laughs> uh, that that group of people when we call them newfies, they got some people get upset. They broach at the topic of oh, being called Mike. a newfie. Hey,
3: there's always three people upset with everything. Yes, they would be upset if you didn't call them newfies.
1: The reason why
4: I said the word newfie is because one of my best friends. His mother's from New- Newfoundland, and I know her quite well, and she refers to herself as Newfies. But
1: is it like the way my father calls us a bunch of dirty Pollocks? But if I <laughs> said that to a group of people on the street and Maybe. get beat
4: to death? Maybe it's so that, that since we're not from Newfoundland, we can't say Newfie. I don't know. I'd,
3: I don't know. I, I don't know. know. All right. Well, this carnival worker, he's a serial killer. He confessed to killing three women within 18 days. So he's a travel a traveling carnival worker. Uh, his name is James Michael Wright. He's 23 years old. He's out of Mendota, Virginia. He confessed to fatally shooting three women during an 18-day span between February 28th and March 17th near his home, but claimed the killings were accidental. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, Also, if you're a carnival worker and you accidentally kill three people, it doesn't make the ride much safer. Like if you're just like, oh, I forgot the screws. Why do I have all these screws in my pocket? (laughs) Oh, dang it. I have questions.
4: Okay. First of all, is it a traveling carnival operator? He, is yes, it, a traveling it was. Traveling carny? So these are the parking lot guys. Is that right? Yeah, the guys that set up in big parking lots. Oh, yeah, of course. For a few days and then move on. So, so
1: yeah, he wasn't with like the carnival. Like, he wasn't a du soleil kind of
3: carnival. No, he yeah. was just a, a traveling carnival worker. So he says he was on accident. And this is according to the Washington County Sheriff, Fred Newman. He says, quote, we find that hard to believe, based on the information we have. <laughs> that was uh, accidental. Yes. So Newman said Wright admitted killing the three victims after meeting them through his employment as a subcontractor for James H. Drew Exposition, a Georgia-based amusement company that operates alongside the East Coast. So he's talking have right that, into him.
1: So you just—he murdered women who came to the carnival.
3: Basically, the other victims. Yeah. Basically, it was people. Um, that were at, not necessarily at the carnival. They were just kind of around his area. They uh, wouldn't. Why would they be around his area if they weren't at the carnival? No, this was near his home. The remains of two bodies uh, to believe. Oh,
1: believe- so he did all this as a hobby? It wasn't even on the job? No, I don't I think I thought this he was, was like th- there's something wicked this way, make,
3: this way <laughs> comes. Well, this is according to, uh, again, the sheriff. He says the investigation is ongoing regarding the suspect's activities while traveling with the carnival. Because, again, we know the carnival traveled extensively, certainly throughout the East Coast. Basically, this individual killed three women within an 18-day period. Asked if Wright was a serial killer. Newman said, I think you can say that. Yes. Marcus, <laughs> what do you think? Serial killer? Yes. And so this man probably has more bodies, don't you think? More than likely.
4: I have more carnival questions. Oh, my. What kind of carny was he? Was he uh, like a roustabout? Was he a operator? Was he a concession worker? Marcus look- Kissel is not
3: you. I'm looking at his mug. No, I can, I can speculate. I can speculate. I'm looking at his mugshot, and I'm going to say this guy... He, uh, what's the name of that? What's the name of that sugary thing that's all fluffy? Cotton, can? cotton yeah, candy. Cotton candy. Cotton candy guy. <laughs> concessions. God, <laughs> you really think? He let looks, me see his face. He looks like a concessions guy. Let me see his face. He's concessions.
1: I don't know. He looks like a guy that could put up a tent. That's what no.
3: i about. That's what i roustabout no, about. No, this is. Yeah. is this guy is handsome by carnival worker standards. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's new. So those guys but don't move the Concessions. Is those the- are the grunts. The new the roast
1: about the roast the roustabouts. Tell me if I'm wrong, Marcus. Mm-hmm. But I believe roustabouts are more new. To the carnival world, because that's the backbreaking work that you don't get like the Barker but stuff. You don't get all of the retail side of carnival work until you have
3: shown your bones. It's tough to say though. He's got a he's got a face with two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Yeah, and and two <laughs> ears. And he also I, murdered three girls, which is right at the top of the application. Yeah, well, of course that probably got him the job. But um, I'm gonna say this guy might have been in the in the uh, in the concessions because he's he's the face of the company. I'm gonna go with Roustabout. I'm
4: gonna go with Henry. Okay, on this one. especially if he was new. If he was new, yeah, you definitely have to work your way up in the. Well, carnival Well, we don't business. know that he was so, new.
3: He was 23 years old. And he traveled know, around all the time. He's he
4: 23. Yeah, he kept. But on the other hand, at 23, he might have been in the carnival carnival business for five six years.
1: Oh yeah, 10, 15 years. Anyway, just <laughs> no.
3: just quickly here, the well, victim. So which he I want shot to say. them.
1: He shot them at a distance. Do you know anything else about okay, the nature so of the crimes? Okay, so what we know
3: is, so Jocelyn M. Elsep, she was 17 years old, RIP, that's super sad. Um, she was the daughter of one of his coworkers. Oh. So he shot her. The other victims were identified as Elizabeth Marie Van Meter. She was only twenty-two. And the other victim was Athena Hobson. Uh both women were reported missing in March. So uh it seems like he was, you know, he shot the daughter of someone he knew. Got that first taste. But I my question so. is that, but you don't know anything else, any other No, details. I just have what's here in the New York Post. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is we're still this will
1: unfold. But so we don't know if he has more bodies. Well, did he confessed was... to those three murders? Yes,
3: he did. Mm. And he said it was on accident. Yeah. One body oh, was yes. found in a shallow grave. Uh, well. Uh, the you others... always do
1: that. I always put my accidents in a shallow grave. I I <laughs> yeah, burned a couple course. of pancakes the other day. On <laughs> accident. On accident. I know. And you know, I always have, then have to drive about 20 miles out into the desert. I build a shallow grave <laughs> next to all it's my so... boys' underpants that I keep just uh, for memories. <laughs>
3: what kind of pizza is this? Oh, it's my favorite kind. <laughs> poo <Poo-poo> poo pizza. <laughs> um one body this is very sad obviously folks you know that it's a it's a true crime show so it gets a little blue one <laughs> body was found <fathered> in <laughs> a shallow grave while the other two were discovered near some logs so yeah he was Full on. These logs boy, will
1: hide them.
4: Yeah. These boy. logs will do it. It's... Love that New York Post reporting. Oh, some, well, logs. It, some logs. Some <laughs> logs. <laughs> I mean, they didn't elaborate I mean, on if just, it was an oak it's, or it's,
3: you know a, a pine tree, but boy, it's just that big city
4: beat of Jimmy Breslin.
3: Some logs. New York Post reporters hear a lot of these stories. I don't even yeah. think they register it at all. But
1: no, you know, why? They don't feel feelings.
3: No, they can't.
1: I think a real reporter shouldn't feel anything. Really, they should be kind of like dead eyed constant like looking out just for the truth not experiencing anything sort of subjective whatsoever
3: yeah i think that's an accurate description of most reporters totally dead eyed and without a soul
1: like full on like little quarters, but with penises and vaginas
3: yeah, yeah you can <laughs> absolutely so that's a little tale there which is sad um so be careful and also just a little story here before we get to marcus's um fun little breakdown of whatever marcus wants to talk about i got Jesus. stuff i know he's got stuff but uh of course slipknot we know slipknot we're uh, are we fans? not personally no <laughs> not per- we don't know anyone cool personally no um well that's not true anyone we know that we've met and that knows us you're cool. <laughs> good rollback is yeah, a really really good, good Sam yeah. uh thank you so much so the slipknot front man uh Corey Taylor, uh he claims that he blew out his testicle while practicing vocals yep. uh, for Slipknot's upcoming Euro- European tour and i'm just going to say that is a hell of a um advertising tactic yeah, to super be like metal. this, this rock so hard I blew out my nut I, like, Fucking, I cool. pissed out my nut <laughs> yes <laughs> he said he said that he was pissing blood he said Corey added ha- this is what he wrote in a tweet he said working on my 87 and high notes this morning fucked around and blew out the left testicle careful on re-entry kids then added hashtag kiss of death and pissing blood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Slipknot still got it although yeah. everyone gets older and at some point you Bust your testicles singing. I yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see James Hetfield with his, uh, like, I want to say it's
1: like an arthritis guard or something. He has oh, on his yeah. Hand. And yeah.
4: Kirk Hammett, too. Yeah, it's starting yeah, okay. to happen
1: to all of them. Yeah.
4: They're have- all breaking down pretty fast.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. hard life on the road. Look at us. Absolutely. We've been, doing, we've been on the road for three years, and I'm fucking... Oh. I I turned white. Do you remember when I started when I was Puerto Rican? I do. Do you remember remember that? Yeah. Wow.
3: I remember that. Wow. Um, All right. So those are a couple of stories from my little books here. Um, It's not a book; it's a phone,
1: but. Yeah, that's really strange. You called your phone multiple books. Where
3: are you? Honestly, we had we had the first, the first time ever on the flight over here. I read the book. Granted, it was the Howard Stern book. It was a pleasure read, not a work read, as Marcus always does. But Marcus played video games and, and watched movies, and I read a book on a plane. Wow. Yeah. I was waiting for uh, the next edit to come back. Actually, no, you're uh, not
4: completely true. The first flight, I played video games and watched movies. Second flight worked on Rendlesham but oh, okay. we're waiting we're waiting for uh, the second edit to come back on the book so I spend a nice couple hours playing Cuphead and watching Attack on Titan
1: man watching you, you play go. Cuphead I'll actually well at least say this what's Marcus Cuphead? Cuphead's a game <laughs> no, I know it's a game. What's it about? I don't know. It's a game know. where... Make, y- you're
4: going to make him try to explain you're, you're this? You're going to make me explain Cuphead? Yeah, now cup I do. Head? All right, fine. It's about Cuphead and Mughead, and they've both uh, <laughs> lost video their game. souls to the devil uh, in a dice game, and so in order to save their souls, they have to travel through their imaginary land, defeating gigantic monsters, in order to collect the soul
1: contracts for the devil.
3: You know, man... <laughs> You asked. I don't you know. Asked. You I can't know, I just like explain because
1: it. it's a side scroller. So if you try to explain the plot of a side scroller, it really doesn't make
4: yeah, any It's it a very help. difficult side scrolling game.
3: Also, by the way, if you're out there and you know how to make a video game, we would love to do a video game with Last Podcast on the left. We would. That's yes. a very
1: big ask. Yeah. No,
3: it's, we've actually been approached for a side scroller. So that would be awesome if that happened. That'd be fantastic. I'd, yeah, I'd, do it in a second. I, yeah. I want to do th- make say a Metroidvania.
1: Thank you. That would be Ooh. sweet. Yeah, they know what I mean. Yeah, that would be sweet. All right. Now, I um started playing. I want to say thank you to anybody who uh who gave me the recommendation to play Rim World.
3: Yeah, I've been I playing. Do, is rim this world. another That's sexual thing for you?
1: No, I just do it to myself, though. It's called a rim world. What I do is I play the game and then I wet my finger uh-huh. and I just play with my butthole so it goes. Like a crystal, like like a you do with the crystal Get glass. Get me
2: out of here! <laughs> That's a weird thing for a butthole to say.
1: <laughs> um, but it's nice. It's, I think it's refreshing to watch Marcus play video games. Yeah, because at least he does it like a man would. Oh, like, yeah. Honestly, like you don't make any noises you just sit and play the thing you sit and play the games or it's like with I sit with, would... McNeely, sit with Holden McNeely sit with Holden about? McNeely have you ever sat with Holden oh, McNeely oh this is just you with the to Switch? find
3: a roundabout way to make fun of Holden McNeely <laughs> of <course>. from Wizard <laughs> of the Bruiser yes
1: but watching him play video games of him going like he's got his scrunch up like he's fucking 12 like in the back of a van no matter what he's playing the Switch being like oh man <laughs> Oh, this game's cheating. This game's cheating. And he, like, looks at him like, oh,
2: man. and he's like,
1: oh, I'm trying. Like, he, like, coughs. I, like, try to say something to him. He's like, hold it. And he just goes, what? What is it? And it's being like, you're a fucking 36-year-old man. a 36-year-old man. Stop acting like you're in the fucking back of a family vacation in this fucking station wagon.
3: Well, Mm -hmm. all right. Wizard and the Bruiser. Check it out. Holden does know what he's talking about when it comes to all things video games. He's very—he's doing competitions now.
1: He just goes to them. I know. He just goes to the building
4: where there's a competition. I'm not defending him. He lost immediately. This is
3: one of our oldest friends, by the way. That's what I'm allowed to say. Things. I know, but sometimes we have to remind people we are still all friends. But yes, Holden's very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. are <laughs> oh, interrupting me. I'd like to hear the music. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Fly right from your brain.
1: No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key.
3: Yeah, it's very key. You gotta communicate clearly.
1: All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, and it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank, I get it, yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash
0: podcast.
1: Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. (laughs) I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in, especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Steven, my guy, but you still refuse and you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls. And sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand. Because Stephen was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile. Because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support. And they hear all about my hands hurting, and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They they said, but eventually they said it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now, you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America, but I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the reins of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they they were right, because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited-time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at Babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at Babbel.com slash left, spelled dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: Live from your grave. Marcus. (laughs) What have you brought for us uh, today? Oh, Henry mentioned music, and
4: uh, I'm going to be going back way back to the 1960s to tell the story
1: of record producer Joe Meek. Cool. cool. <laughs> Marcus with his segment. <laughs> That's good.
3: Thank totally you. professional.
1: <laughs> well, Joe Meek was a
4: revolutionary, but nowadays little-known record producer who, back in the early to mid '60s, produced a fair amount of hits in the UK that are now largely forgotten outside of the music geek
1: world. Well, stuff like Strawberry Alarm Clock and like He Who Goes to the Watchtower goes,
3: like weird, like that kind of prog
4: shit. <laughs> Even more obscure than Incense and Peppermints. Like uh... it's way past that.
3: Yeah, incense and Peppermints is famous. I love that. It's and I love it. And peppermen, peppermen, and strawberry
4: wine.
3: Makes me feel like I want to wear pasties. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, Oh, really? You just talked about your underwear. I look great in pasties. talking <laughs> about
1: you?
3: Just, like, just well, that's no my end of, end of my career life. Where just, I'm just two pieces like of
1: baloney on top of your nipples being yeah. like, it's lunchtime.
3: <laughs> We're going to Thunder Bones in Atlanta or
1: something. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, it's hard to nail down exactly what Meek's specific sound was, but if I had to describe the majority of his work, I'd say dirty space-age noise manipulation filtered through the mind of a guy who thought ghosts talked to him through his recording equipment.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fucking cool. It's cool as shit. You yes. just sold me on him.
3: Does he have a serious mental illness? Yes. Okay. But
4: we'll get into that later. Okay. But Meek was also a man of accomplishments. He produced the first single to go number one in both the UK and the US. He was the first British independent producer. He recorded the first rock concert out. Al- he recorded the first rock concept album. And he founded Britain's first indie label. What okay. was the concept like, what if the
1: Titanic didn't sing? <laughs> oh,
3: that would have been great. It was about
1: have- aliens
4: fuck yeah, (laughs) man, I fucking like this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it was cool as shit. Now, of course, that number one hit ended up destroying him. Mm. The record companies didn't want to work with him because he was an unstable tyrant. Uh. He only released four tracks of his concept album on an EP that sold only 99 copies, and his music label folded in a year. But there lies the tragedy of Joe Meek. So Honestly, he was a real
1: So he was a real artist. He and not was. one of these sellouts that <laughs> is, does well.
3: Yeah, there is something really cool about selling only ninety-nine albums. That's mm-hmm. kind of an accomplishment in its own right. Yeah. I mean the
4: whole thing wasn't released until like nine they finally released it in I think ninety one or ninety three or something like that. Uh, but he did Joe Meek and the Blue Men. It's fucking great. I would cool. recommend Oh, you could
3: see it. actually good music.
1: It, it, well, I think it's good. And he likes, the, he likes the pipe organ.
3: Oh, that's true. <laughs> are you still listening to the pipe organ uh, pipes? Hot Pipes? Yeah, hot Pipes? St- the Pipe
4: Organ Podcast? Yeah. I'm it, still listening to Hot How's it pipes. doing? I mean, it's still Hot Pipes. It Have they gotten change. the bump?
1: Did they get the last podcast bump? I don't know. I don't talk to the host of Hot Pipes. I imagine no, he's accessible. He talk to me. I'm certain he would go. Oh, Marcus! <laughs> I knew I would need another mouth. <laughs> 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 the melodious sounds of the pipe organ. Oh
3: my God! Host of Hot Pipes. Why? Are, what are you doing with that empty pizza box?
1: Oh, <laughs> it's my favorite pizza.
3: <laughs> uh, what? What's in there?
1: Oh, no, you want to see? Yeah. I got it here fresh from France.
3: From France? <laughs>
1: yeah. Look at it. <laughs>
3: (laughs) It's too Oh Um, no Is that what
1: he sounds like?
4: Uh, No, not at all Okay, not at all But the failures of Joe Meek is only the smallest part of the tragedy The reason why we're talking about Joe Meek today is because his life ended in a brutal murder-suicide
3: It's (laughs) got to Oh my god, I'm looking at a picture of this guy He's got the pompadour, he's got an old school look to him Kind of handsome dude Yeah
4: Okay But before we get into the murder-suicide, let's get into Joe Meek's weird-as-shit life. Okay. Now, some called Meek the low-budget Phil
1: Spector. I can tell you exactly who called him that. Phil Spector. Absolutely. (laughs)
4: Because Meek recorded all of his music in a custom studio built in his London apartment. And to give you an idea of what his music was like, here's a clip from his aforementioned number one hit, Telstar, by The Tornadoes. Oh,
1: Surprisingly boring. No, you thought I thought it was. It's like a I video thought it game. would have
3: more like pew, beeps. No, that, it seems to me like if I was walking down the streets, I would feel like I was mughead or jugbutt or whatever the name of your <laughs> video game players are. I love jugbutt. Uh, I love that. Jug. Yeah, but well, like it's very video gamey.
4: Well, you only listened to a clip. You didn't listen to the beginning of the song that had all the space age noise in it, and this, you got to listen to it with headphones. This is all and you're that's giving what me. You re- because the, I can't play the entire song for you right now. you got to do the reading. I told you we were doing Joe Meek a week I ago. Know, and he, I know, I <laughs> do, do the you reading, Henry. In, you could have listened to Vampires, Cowboys, and Spacemen, which is the two-CD set that was released a few years ago that brought together all of his wonderful recordings, or at least the stuff that had to do with Vampires, Cowboys, and Spacemen.
3: Well, so I was, was reading about underwear stiffing. <laughs> I know what you were doing. But this is crazy. So that was in, what, the fifties? That was nineteen sixty three. So that was
4: pretty or, no, maybe either nineteen sixty one or nineteen sixty three. One of the that two. that was really good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's great stuff. Yeah, you gotta listen to the entire song. But that was one of Meek's more normal songs. Here's one that he produced with a guy named Screaming Lord Such <laughs> called I'm in Love with Dracula's Daughter. Cool. Oh, okay.
3: But I can't resist that fashion that gives I'm in love.
4: Dracul's daughter But
3: she gave me a bag. I am downloading this. For the plane. <laughs> I seriously, uh, I think that that sounds kind of cool. It's great. Yeah, it's a really
4: it's really fun. Yeah, and Lord Such used to do uh, live performances uh, in London dressed as Jack the Ripper. And the reason why they called him Screaming Lord Such, not because he screamed on his recordings, but during live shows, he would just scream at people in the middle of the song and they all go... <laughs>
1: He's screaming again. And this is why we've never heard of him? <laughs> I don't know. Technically, it sounds like Murderfest. We're not going to talk about anybody you've ever heard of on this
4: episode until I get to the part when I talk about all the people that Joe Meek said no to. Okay. Alright. But besides just the weird stuff, Meek also produced somewhat more traditional songs, like his first number one hit, Johnny Remember Me by John Layton. Ooh. It's about him remembering himself.
3: Johnny, no. remember me. It'll make sense. Maybe that's his last name. Jo- John word. Johnny. Hey, my name is Johnny. Remember me, and he'd be like, no, I don't think we've met before. No, my last name is Remember Me. What What are you talking about? What you my talking name about? is Johnny. Remember me.
1: Is this what like, like old school the Abbott and Is <laughs> what you're talking about, but but, but it's really really stupid. <laughs> All
3: right, let's check it out.
1: Well, it's hard to believe I know, but I
2: hear her singing in the sign of the wind, blowing in the tree
3: tops, way above me. Man, I 60- like this one. Yeah, it's great. The
1: 60s were cool. Yeah. I actually went I gonna through, gonna say. we all went through, all of Murder Fist, went through a period of time where we were listening to a lot of psychedelic music, and it's yeah. fun to do. It mm-hmm. just, like, it does ramble. It does sound like Johnny, you remember me, does sound like one of those things that you experience at a Los Angeles party. When you meet somebody and you go like, oh, hey, what's your name? He's like, Alan,
3: we've met. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> ah. Ah.
3: Just live with it. Fuck it up. I love it. I
1: guess I couldn't remember you, huh? I guess you suck. Wow. You will suck, then.
4: Are you freaking out? (laughs) Now, despite Joe's success in the music world, he was completely tone deaf, he couldn't play an instrument to save his life, and he couldn't read or write music. Cause he got all of his ideas out by horribly singing a tune over and over again until his musicians could figure out what to
3: play.
1: Johnny remember me. <laughs> Johnny remembers Wait.
3: who remembers me. It, it must have worked though. Yeah, I mean, everyone it got it. Yeah, because
1: yeah, tell story. Be like, <laughs> and, the, and the guys just like, and all the tubas are trying to struggling to do it. And he's like, now nah, you've got it. Where they just start being like, we just start playing a fucking random ass tune, and you just decided we got it.
3: Yeah, the bassist is in the corner taking a dump in a pizza box. Something weird's going on. This is for a senator. Oh, really? (laughs) Special delivery.
4: But melody and musicality was not what made Joe Meek such a fantastic producer. Musically, it was said that Joe was an absolute moron. But when it came to sound, Joe Meek was a genius. Hmm. And this obsession with sound came with a morbid bent.
1: Now, what do you mean...
4: He he, good with sound. <laughs> he
1: good with sound. What did that?
4: What does that mean? He was able to produce the weird sounds that he had in his head on tape. This is like but- of Joseph Callinger. <laughs> was yeah. a producer. If Joseph Countlight if he was able to take the things that were happening in his head and put it out on tape, like he had a very specific way that he wanted things to sound. Okay. And he was able to use tape manipulation. Uh, he would stomp on a bathroom floor to get like a certain bass drum sound that he had in his head. The sounds that he had in his head, he
3: was able to actually make those uh, happen. So good record producer, horrible, horrible apartment neighbor. Yeah. I can't imagine. that would I would rather live next to... Dahmer. Because uh, yeah. at least he had to be quiet. Uh, it, you know what? <laughs> We're going to get
4: into that. Okay.
3: <laughs>
4: see, one of Meek's big obsessions was speaking with people beyond the grave. And besides the many seances that he took part in, Joe used to take tape machines to graveyards to see if he could pick up the voices of the
1: dead. Goth daddy.
4: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Well, the closest he ever came was when he ran across a cat once, uh, and he thought the cat was speaking in a man-like
1: way. Hey! <laughs> hey, I'm a cat! <laughs> are you a cat, or are you just a ginger man? <laughs> uh, name's Ed. Uh, they call me Uncle Ed.
3: <laughs> obsessed with pooping. See? Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> it gets into the back of your head. It, it haunts really you. It <laughs> fucks with you. It does haunt me.
4: But the eventual translation of what the cat was trying to say was loose to say the least. The best Joe could come up with was that the cat was saying, help me. What? But you can judge for yourself. I actually have the tape. Okay. Listen here.
3: Yeah, honestly, I hate hate that it's saying help me. I can hear it. I hear it. You hear it, yeah. Yeah, I can.
1: Help me. Yeah, it's like any EVP where they tell you what it is, and then you're like, okay.
4: Except for the one where the guy says... I have the body of a pig.
3: Yes, that was fucking sweet, dude. It's fucking I sweet. have the body of a pig is incredible. But people do that with our intro as well. They say "rise from your grave." Um, it they, says the words on it. It's not even. It pay. says "rise from your grave." It's from the. It's from Altered Beast. I know, but some people have different meanings. They some people don't know what it says. It's rise from your They're crest. hearing it right.
1: I know that, but <laughs> I'm
2: just
4: saying. That, that's different. That's what we're talking about here is a cat saying, help me. That's a very... That oh, And it's I'm not even so saying, help me. It's just meowing. What we're
3: talking about here is a cat saying, help me. God forbid.
4: <laughs> Amek was into all kinds of occult shit, and he heavily studied the works of Aleister Crowley, although they didn't really make him special in the music world in the 60s, especially in Britain. All those fuckers were into Aleister Crowley. Mm. But the thing is, Meek actually may have contacted the other side. Meek said that during a seance-slash-tarot card reading in January of 1958, a spirit told him that Buddy Holly would die on February 3rd. Oh. Now, it just so happened that Holly was touring the UK at the time, and Meek was able to meet him backstage at a show to deliver the message.
1: Oh, Can no. you imagine fucking being backstage before a show? Oh you're Buddy Holly, God. and you're you're like... You're, Hey, but boss, I should put my glasses on for tonight's performance. like, no, buddy, that makes you look like a nerd. like, no, I think it's going to make me different. And then all of a sudden you have Joe Meek come in and be like, you're going to die. Jeez. I spoke to a ghost cat. Yeah, just... I spoke to a ghost cat. It told me you're going to die, Buddy Holly. And you have to then go and play Pegasoo.
3: Pegasoo. <laughs> just plumes of smoke coming through the door as he enters like a cryptic doomsayer.
4: Yeah, and Buddy Holly's just, I mean, he's just some fucking kid from Lubbock. You know, so actually he was probably like, I got to put my glasses on. Goddamn it. Oh, hi, Joe. Me, nice to Oh, I'm going to die, am I? Yeah. Very good. But then you wail on him. That's what I would have done. I don't know. (laughs) And this isn't just rumor or legend. Buddy Holly actually acknowledged in an interview that someone in the UK told him he was going to die in February. But it was already past February when Buddy Holly talked about the prediction, so he wasn't worried. But as it turned out, Spirit wasn't talking about February 3rd, 1958. It was talking about February 3rd, 1959, Whoa. a.k.a. the day the music died.
3: Oh, my God. That is creepy. Yeah, it does work. Richie
1: Valens, Big Bopper, and Buddy Holly all Jeez. Yeah, that's. I mean, so, you know, he was right. It's just about everything 40s. but his career.
3: Yeah. Well, air travel used to be much more dangerous. That is for sure. That's the thing with Leonard Skinner as well. When they died, the the person on the on the television news said rock band Leonard Skinner. I'm like, get it right. But they took that plane. They knew it was a horrible plane. And they were like, we'll just give it one last shot. Mm -hmm. All I know is these planes better be running pretty good when we're up there. Mm -hmm. I'm scared.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah,
3: I know. But don't be
1: scared. Just have booze. Booze to help you not be scared.
3: I know, but at some point, you know, I can't have booze anymore when the doctor tells me that I can't. We talked and about this,
1: Marcus, last time, last on uh, Side Stories where he said the doctor will eventually there's something that the doctor will tell all of us that mm-hmm. we will have
3: to stop doing. Yeah. You're eventually. gonna have to quit that vape. Yeah. You're gonna have to quit vape and tobacco.
4: Yeah, uh, it's probably no? it's also gonna be uh sugary drinks as well. That's also gonna that's gonna have to get
1: cut out. <sighs> it's just cause your teeth. Yeah, no, but crazy. your teeth are good now, honestly. Thank you. I've been taking good care of them. Can no, we not
3: bring up Marcus's teeth? That even was mean to, honestly. We, I we used nice. to do roast comedy, and then all of us realized we couldn't because all of us got our feelings hurt, <laughs> and then we had to make massive changes in <laughs> life. Yes.
4: <laughs> uh, this whole Buddy Holly death prediction thing could have just been a coincidence, but either way, Joe Meek had been eerily right in predicting the death of one of his favorite musicians. Problem was, though, Joe Meek was also severely bipolar and showed heavy signs of schizophrenia. So such a confirmation was unhealthy Mm. because now he had it in his head that his paranoia, his predictions, they could come true. Not good. Because one of them came true on a worldwide scale. See, that would not freak me out. That
3: would make me be like, you're going to die. You're going to die. I would be like Oprah (laughs) passing out gifts, but death cards.
4: And uh, in addition to the bipolar disorder and the schizophrenia, Joe Meek had a constant intake of amphetamines to stay awake. And barbiturates to fall asleep. Sixties, man, which only exacerbated his mental health problems. I
1: said it almost. Is it really any difference in the amount of coffee that I have to drink to keep going, Absolutely. and the amount a, of booze that I have to to put into my body to it, go to
4: sleep? It's a gigantic difference. If mm. you're fucking yeah, juggling yellow jackets and bennies. I wish I was. Yeah, the sixties were
1: crazy with that stuff. It was fun, mm. man. Because the government used to give you the pills. And the government used the to government be it was to see it was the same bills they were using to fight the Jerry's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Now, this, of course, led to a fair amount of violent and unpredictable episodes, such as the times that he held a shotgun to the head of Mitch Mitchell, the eventual drummer of the Jimi Hendrix experience, oh my to, God. quote unquote, inspire a better performance. That's what <laughs> Werner
1: Herzog did with, uh, what's his name? The actor. That he works with all
4: Johnny, time.
3: remember
1: me? Yeah, Johnny, remember me. <laughs> <laughs> he did it with him. And if this is starting to
4: sound a lot like American record producer Phil Spector, you know, Phil Spector, responsible for Be My Baby, You Lost That Love Love and Feeling, doo Ron, Ron, and countless others.
3: And a lot of murder.
4: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, murder as well. It's hard to be a producer. Yeah, it is. Ask Travis, ask Marcus. Yeah, Joe Meek and Phil Spector actually had one interaction. One day Phil Spector decided to call Joe Meek's apartment studio to pay his respects because Phil Spector was a big Joe Meek fan. But Meek, who was famously paranoid, told Spector to fuck off and stop stealing his ideas. Mm, okay. And then yeah, he slammed like the handset down on the receiver over and over again until it broke into a thousand
3: pieces. <laughs> it's a bit of a reaction. Obviously. I want to have that free I want to have enough confidence one day in my life to do that though. Yeah. But of course now we have smartphones. Yeah, you can't break them.
4: Yeah, you can't do that.
3: No, they're really
1: difficult to break. If you snap them open, they're technically filled with
4: poison.
3: Oh, okay, (laughs) There's a lot of info on there.
4: And I will say, though, even though Meek wrote and produced amazing songs, like I love Joe Meek. I've loved his songs for years and years and years. It's like his songs are like part of my like happy music repertoire. Uh, He was sometimes an absolute fucking idiot when it came to picking talent. A young manager named Brian Epstein went to Meek with a demo tape from a band he was thinking of representing called the Beatles. The Beatles? Uh, it's not even spelled correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meek's advice pass. Wow. Hard pass. Yeah. And then he threw the tape in the garbage. He's like, these Mersey Beat boys have
3: no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, that, yep. that should, if, you, if you've ever been denied for anything, if you were on Shark Tank, which I watch regularly and you got denied, don't forget. You can still make it out there.
1: You gotta try hard. And they are looking out for you. They want you to succeed. But yeah. you have to come in with the proper I don't the math breakdown, I forget what that is. <laughs> you really gotta come in with the numbers. Yeah, you have to
4: yeah. have the
3: numbers. All right. Yeah. Beatles
4: rejected. Yeah, and instead of pursuing the Beatles, Mink went with bands with names like The Blue Men, The Driving Stupid, The Syndicats, and The Worst. Alan Dean and his problems.
3: (laughs) Honestly, Alan Dean and his problems is the greatest name I've ever heard in my entire life. Alan Dean and
1: his problems, it is just, he's like, oh, the 405s. Packed today. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, Can you sing that song again? Four or five is packed today. today. The four or five uh, is packed today. Take a wenga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I enjoy these bands,
4: particularly the work uh, Meek did with the Blue Men. He did his concept album with the Blue Men. Oh. Uh, the Beatles. Th- that was an objective, hor- objectively horrible decision to make. But but a lot of people pass. Be- a lot of people pass on the Beatles.
3: Well, yeah, but- I mean, we're the Beatles. Like, was their demo that good? It was good enough.
4: You know, like, it it was definitely a good enough where they, because the problem with the Beatles uh, and a lot of those bands at the time is that uh, all the record producers and companies were like, Rock and Roll is on its way out. But what did they
1: think was going to come next?
4: They didn't know. They didn't care.
1: Just like jazz, like more jazz. (laughs) I don't
3: know. Yeah, that's
2: weird.
4: Uh, At the time in England, like around this time, the the people, especially in England, the people who were top in the charts were like middle aged crooners.
3: Ah. You know, like so uh, that's never going to die. They're like that's forever.
4: Yeah, that's that's forever.
1: And they also these
4: you know how many crooners
3: crooners we have now? Oh, of course (laughs) we got Susan Crooner, Tommy Crooner. They they live out in Iowa. Great family. Great family. Died AIDS. Sad though. Very sad. Very, Very sad. sad.
4: Well, these people uh, also, like, they, the record companies had them under their thumb. They could pay them 20 pounds for a song, and then they'd never have to pay them a single bit of money ever again. And they didn't want to have to deal with all these younger people. Uh, but the Beatles weren't the only people that uh, Joe Meek passed on. A few years after that, a different band came into audition for Meek, and Meek hated the lead singer so much, he ran into the room, put his fingers in his ears, and screamed until the lead singer left the room, and then... Joe Meek blew a raspberry at him as he left. <laughs>
1: that lead singer was Rod Stewart. You can't say no to Rod Stewart because he remembers, and he kicks fucking soccer balls
3: into the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Stewart's the man. He's still got it. Sex yeah. sex, uh,
4: diva. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Meek convinced the band to fire Rod Stewart and change their name from the Raiders to... To the Moon Trekkers. The Moon
1: (laughs) Trekkers? He
3: has has a very, in today's world, he would have found a niche.
4: He would have. He absolutely would have. Yeah, he really would have. And actually, fucking, I mean, the Moon Trekkers are fucking great. They wrote songs like this. Their classic uh, "Night of the Vampire." So this is the second vampire theme song that Meeks has produced. He wrote a lot. of He produced a lot of songs about
1: vampires, and a lot of songs about
4: UFOs, and a <laughs> I lot think of it's song, cool.
1: And a lot of songs about cowboys. Uh, All right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just anything but what I guess he knew, and uh, anything outside of Alan Dean and his problems. <laughs> yes, honestly, it
3: sounds like us whenever we pitched a show to Holly Weird. Yeah. Hollywood would be like, it's aliens, serial killers, and cryptids. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> what? He's like, it's cowboys, aliens, and moon truckers. <laughs> so, yes, I think this yeah. is going to work.
4: Yeah, Vamp- vampires, cowboys, and spacemen is definitely. That's that, cool. That, that's,
3: the, uh, that's
4: the compilation to go for with Joe Meek because it's all instrumental surf stuff. Uh, but this is Night of the Vampire. This is, it, you're going to love this song. Isn't
3: it weird surf music exists, but you can't listen to music when you're surfing? So it would, so, you would think, <laughs> so you would think that they would create the music for the surfer. They
1: can't play, because they can't wear headphones.
3: I know. That's what I'm saying. Man.
1: Yeah, so a man could play a ukulele next to the beach, which is technically just Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what okay. they do. I'm like the big fat guy. It's yeah. Kind of weird. Who died of banana poisoning. <laughs>
3: oh, that's a, <laughs> Potassium.
1: Right. Here's his song. Does Carolina hide in the bathroom while you dance like an old timey skeleton in a silent cartoon to this? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. Yeah.
3: Carolina
4: cool. loves the way I dance to the moon tracker. That's great. But yes, I do dance to an like an old timey skeleton in <laughs> this music. And I've been doing it for a long time, and it's one of those things that if you want to be with me, you better be down with my skeleton yep. dancing. Whoa. Yeah. You have to. You have to be. If you're not down with my skeleton dancing. You're not down with me. That's no, like oh, me with my UFOs. Part of who I
1: am? It's like if Nat could not stand UFOs, it would be very difficult <laughs> to oh, be yeah. in our own. Yeah, no,
4: absolutely. absolutely. Yeah.
1: Anyway, if you love like
4: the cramps. Go check out Joe Meek's, uh, you know, surf stuff. Okay, it's very fantastic. Cool. And uh, actually, that's not even his last fuck up. His third fuck up came after Telstar had become a hit. Meek's head had gotten pretty large, and when a young man named David Jones showed up at Meek's oh. door, Meek said he was just too busy to see him. Eventually, Jones got an audition, but Meek again thought he was absolute shit. Pretty soon after that, David Jones changed his name to David Bowie. Oh!
3: <laughs> gonna be that dude from the monkeys wasn't that <laughs> nope. davy jones yeah, yeah that
4: was
1: davy yeah this that's is why david had to, bowie david but that's bowie. why he had to say that's why he had to change his name yeah yeah that's why
4: exactly why he had to change his name because it well, was already a davy jones uh well but, thank
3: god that's so stewart David Bowie and the Beatles. Yeah, this guy he, said no said, to.
4: Yeah, he said no. But admittedly, David Bowie's... There's a reason why no one talks about Bowie's first album. It's bad?
1: It's, it's awful. He started yeah, track two th- is Sell Me a Coat. It was strange. He <laughs> started as a theater guy. And the way he started was a musical theater. And he used to do one-man shows. So it came from this w- world of the theater. And then I it was see. it was more musically. Yeah.
4: It was very fanciful. Uh, the I think the single. Of it was the laughing gnome, which was uh, it had a really high pitched gnome voice.
3: I like that. It's about him in your
4: mind
1: (laughs) to the gnome in your mind. Cool, it's about him meeting a gnome
4: on the street and then they go
1: watch TV together.
3: Write what you know, actually, write what you know. (laughs) That's the only thing you can do.
4: And also, Meek was the first person he did see some talent in Tom Jones. He was the very first, but you know, it's not unusual. Of he was course. the first person to record Tom Jones, but he couldn't get anyone interested in Tom Jones, so Tom Jones moved on. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he also thought the kinks and the stones were absolutely awful, uh, but he did at the very least recognize the talent of Richie Blackmore, who was the eventual uh, guitarist for Deep Purple. Oh, uh, Yeah, okay. he told the band that Richie Blackmore, Blackmore was playing that they were all shit except for Richie.
3: Oh, Richie must have been happy.
4: Yeah. No uh, way.
3: That's an awkward r- drive home. No, no, no. You just <laughs> There's no way that uh, that ruins a group dynamic
1: when you find out that all of the rest of you are garbage.
4: (laughs) But even with all these problems, Joe was still recording and releasing music. Problem was, he wasn't making a dime on anything because his biggest hit, Telstar, even though it had sold 5 million copies, uh, Meek had been sued for plagiarism uh, because a French composer claimed that he stole the melody from a movie that the French composer had scored like three years earlier.
1: Do is, is you think it's just crazy parallel thinking, or do you it, think it was? It's uh, pretty
4: similar. Ah, uh, yeah, it's pretty similar. But I don't. I think it was parallel thinking, or maybe he saw the movie and he it slid le- and it in just there. Kind of slid it in happens. there because it's not the exact melody, but it's pretty similar.
3: Well, I mean, that's the same thing with comedians when they're like, "I do the itchy butthole bit," <laughs> and you, you're doing that now. I saw, and it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean,
4: yeah. And furthermore, the music industry completely moved on from Joe's style because the British Invasion sound was in full force, and Meek was able to hop on that sound for one hit uh, by the Honeycombs, a song called Have I the Right. Uh, <laughs> but after that song hit number one, Meek only had two more songs chart. 1966's Please Stay by the Crying James oh. and number 49 with a bullet. Yep. Digging my potatoes by Heinz and the Wild Boys. <laughs> I
1: think it means a woman that loves his balls. Oh,
3: digging my potatoes. She's really yeah. digging
1: my potatoes.
3: That's great. So yeah. have I the right? It's a it's a very interesting, like question, it's a, more of a question than like, I got a right. Yeah, it's it is.
4: More... No, it's a romance. it's about uh, a guy who's like, have I the right to hug and kiss you? Have I the right oh. to be the oh, one? Oh, it's well, about consent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it, it is. Yeah, it's a fine 60s like Britpop, to, or not Britpop, but it's a fine 60s British Invasion song. There's nothing too special about okay. it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fine, but he's got, Meek's got much better work. Uh, but by the time Digging My Potatoes came out, <laughs> uh, both Joe Meek's drug use and his mental health problems have Aww. produced a highly paranoid, erratic terror of a man because uh, Meek thought his recording studio was bugged by Decca Records, who were out to steal his ideas. Like, Joe Meek was not a good dude. Like, he sure. could be fa- he could be very funny, he could be very charming, but he was also, like, an absolute tyrant. He would throw shit at people. Okay. Uh, he
1: put a gun to Mitch Mitchell's head.
4: Right, a shotgun. He, yeah. But
1: a part of this is, at the time, they thought that this is how shit was done. Almost, no, in absolutely a way. not. Everybody no. else was super professional. Everybody
4: else was super professional. Mm. That's why he, that's why he got fired from the record companies. Because ah. at the time, uh, record producers in England, they all wore white coats because they were engineers and they <gasps> had to separate so themselves from all the riffraff cutting in to record the rock and
3: roll. The rock and the roll <laughs> with hey. your dervish hey, spinning. Hey Rand, uh, that's a real nice white coat, but you got a little poo-poo smudge. <laughs> you got a poo-poo smudge.
1: Yes, I had a birthday party for my nephew. You did. We played the game called Make a Pizza. Oh,
3: okay. You might want to wash that off before David Bowie comes in here. I'm... Oh, he is skinny. No. No. But... There's no poo-poo in that, man, at all. You ruined me with that stupid freaking story. Yeah, man.
4: But what really pushed Meek over the edge was when he was outed as gay in the local newspaper after his arrest for, quote, importuning from immoral purposes, a.k.a. having gay sex in a London public toilet. Because at this time, gay being homosexual was illegal. In Crazy. England, like it was a hundred you could be arrested just for being gay wow uh and joe meek also came from a very uh rough and tumble country back uh upbringing uh he was the indoor boy while everyone else were the outdoor boys right. uh I yeah he, like he was be... he was terrified of his mother finding out of his father finding out yeah like and some people say that that did exacerbate his mental health issues sure. even more because he was constantly afraid of being outed and then he was outed in the newspaper. I know what it's like to be an indoor boy. Yeah, yeah. we all know what it's I like was, to be an indoor boy. But
1: it Just technically made me hornier for boobies. <laughs> yeah. but that's not my fault. I could have gotten gayer too. I think Absol- it
4: just makes you hornier for any. You just you're it just sitting matter. around thinking about whatever it is. That sexually excites you. He he got
1: hornier for boys. You got hornier for girls. Little thoughts. Little thoughts. Little seeds (laughs) growing the plants. It is
3: weird, though, when you suppress certain things. The bathrooms seem... Bathhouses, bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Larry Craig, the old Republican senator there. It's just strange that they think that that's... I guess that's a place where it's private. Yeah. Yeah. The bathroom, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah.
4: private. It's private. It's yeah, anonymous. That's where you
3: fuck. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you can't do it in public, yeah, it's anonymous. You can't or, go I mean, out. At least you know, not in public. But I
4: mean, yeah. you have nowhere to meet people, right? You exactly. Know, it's like we all, everyone has the same urges, you know. If they, I guarantee you, if a heterosexual sex became outlawed, oh my ooh. god, <laughs> that would when be... The heterosexual sex isn't even outlawed, and we still have glory holes. We still go fucking bathrooms. Can yeah. I
1: ask though? When was the first real glory hole? hole done mesopotamia
4: mm.
3: mesopotamia
4: wow It's yeah. that old <laughs> <laughs> archaeological surveys have said
3: <laughs> oh i know that hole yeah how do you how are you so familiar with what you call glory holes <laughs> you want to go out for pizza i know what that means i'm done all right i'm staying in for pizza this one's de journo oh <laughs>
4: Now, the circumstances behind Joe Meek's violent death are not in question. The only thing that's a little fuzzy is how he got the gun. Okay. The former bassist for the Tornadoes and Meek's sometimes lover, Heinz Burt, said that he just left the gun in Joe's apartment to make room in his car.
1: God, it takes up so much room. That's why I, I don't can't. have a gun in my car. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Especially like a huge shotgun, yeah. yeah. Oh, and Heinz Burt is a fun side story in and of itself, at least in the music world. Uh, Joe Meek made him dye his hair blonde to stand out. And then Joe Meek was also known for, uh, with the singers at least, for pushing... The pretty boys mm. who had zero fucking talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Heinz Burt uh, for years denied that they had a relationship and then eventually said, like,
1: all right, yeah, we were fucking you it's
3: got, me. You uh, got oh, me. Uh uh. Oh. Well, I'm just so happy record producers have changed. Yeah. yeah. You know, not pushing the pretty boys with no talent. No, no. no it's all no, ugly, no, good singers now. No. No. Actually, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. yeah not yeah. to say he's ugly, but he's, he's a disgusting. <laughs> yeah. He's very good singing. Very good at singing.
4: Well, other sources say that. Meek had taken the gun away from Heinz Bert after Burt admitted that he'd been shooting birds while he was out on tour with the tornadoes Oh, but either way the fact remains that on February 3rd 1967 Joe Meek had a shotgun in his apartment Now, it probably goes without saying, because, Ben, you already pretty much predicted this, that a man who had a recording studio in his apartment is going to have a contentious relationship with his neighbors. Right. And that went double for Joe, whose landlady, Violet Shenton, lived on the first floor.
1: Yeah, you shut up up there with your skeleton bones. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing up there, some corner cemetery, (laughs) boy?
4: And furthermore, since the hits had run out and the Telstar royalties were still tied, up in the courts, Meek was way behind on rent. And on the day of February 3rd, Joe had woken up manic and paranoid, convinced the police were watching him. Or at least, that's what he told studio assistant Robbie Duke, who back (laughs) then was going by the name of Patrick Pink. Duke was the last person to see either Joe Meek or Violet Shinton alive. That morning, Violet walked up the stairs to have a conversation with Joe about the rent. She stopped in to talk to Robbie, who warned him that Joe was in an awful mood. But Violet, who was apparently a sweet woman, said she'd sort him out.
1: I'll show him my boobies. (laughs) Oh,
4: my. So she went up to the third floor where Joe was listening to music. The music turned off. Then Duke heard shouting, specifically Meek saying, where's the book? Where's the book? Over and over again. Now, he could have been talking about the rent book because apparently that's a thing they do or did in the UK. They'd write down every time they paid their rent in a book. uh, But we're not exactly sure that's the book he was talking about. It probably was. Either way, pretty soon Duke heard Shenton telling Joe to put down the gun. Then came a sudden blast and Violet Shenton walked out of the door of the third floor apartment with a smoking shotgun wound to the back and fell into Robbie Duke's arms where she died a couple of minutes later. Whoa! Then after killing her, Meek reloaded the shotgun and turned it on himself, ending his own life at the age of 37. It was exactly eight years to the day since Buddy Holly had himself died after Joe's prediction. Oh, my God. Cool. Crazy. And to add one more piece of tragic irony to the whole story, the Telstar plagiarism case was finally settled a couple of weeks after Joe's death in joe's favor so he could have gotten all the money the royalties came pouring in about a year later
1: oh man that's Uh, what happens and he could at least have gotten he could have gone to a loony bin he could have gone to a booby house mm -hmm. yeah whatever
3: whatever restaurants
1: he wanted to go to something to tighten up the bolts Yeah.
4: yeah yeah but joe meek wasn't allowed to see him and for one other weird tiny little thing little cherry on top uh, the uh, date of uh, Phil Spector's uh, murder, when he murdered that woman in his house,
1: February 3rd. Whoa. Oh, my God.
3: That is actually totally crazy. That yeah. is really, really weird. What yeah, are the odds? Yeah, of pick- I mean, obviously, it's like one out of 365, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> For it all to be on the same day? But that is crazy. Yeah. For them all to be on the same day, yeah. Wow! wow. All right. History well, is interesting. Now, mm-hmm. Marcus, how is you have a music podcast coming out here, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. Me and Caroline are working on a music podcast right now that should be coming out. I think in like two months or so. We're
3: gonna be covering. We're gonna be doing it in seasons where we cover like certain genres. Cool. Is it gonna be anything? Are you gonna cover stories like this, or is this more gonna be like for the last podcast type thing? I mean, we're definitely
4: gonna be. I mean, we're just gonna be covering uh, the history of like ten different punk bands for the first season. Awesome. Second season, it's gonna be ten different like uh, '90s alternatives. Bands and so on and so forth. Yeah, we're going to be starting with the Stooges. But yeah, but you yeah. can't
1: touch anything with the pipe organ circuit because the hot pipe <laughs> is going to come. <laughs> of course, and gonna fucking sue us. that man's going <laughs> to murder you. No, yeah, because, <laughs> he's going to show up with a fucking Phantom mask on and he's going to set fire to your
3: apartment. <laughs> no, no,
4: no. Yeah, I'll so- leave the story of George Montalba to him.
3: All right.
4: Well, wow, that's a great story, Marcus.
3: Yeah, thank you, Marcus. That I was just, great.
4: You know what but I'm it assume, will be a lot of stories like that, because the music world is full of shit like that.
1: I really think it's interesting, because you know, people, they're trying to fix Holly Weird. They're I... trying to fix these things. But I don't think they understand this, that When you open that fucking lid of really talking about, like, we need to clean up in this industry, and you're like... It has been based upon violence and horrible, oh, yeah, insane course. people since the first glory hole.
3: Since, the, <laughs> it, yeah, it, since Mesopotamia, yeah, right, like, my understanding. like literally show yeah. business
1: and, and this type of insanity go hand in hand.
3: Artistic, you know, the, the mind of an artist can yeah. go astray sometimes.
4: And that's the thing about Joe Meek is that he always worked with, he only worked with people that he truly enjoyed. So like if he only he worked with music that he like truly enjoyed stay and stay true in. to yourself, that's a lesson. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I'll and be, also get help for men, your mental health. Problems. I think that's yeah, a better that's a, that's bigger a, a lesson. Much important lesson. And also don't kill your landlady when she asks for rent. No. Yeah. yeah.
3: Don't you Different. can just
1: leave your apartment. I would say before you kill anybody, remember, you could always just disappear.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Don't kill anyone. Never and kill I'm,
1: anybody. You can just just right. you can take it to the road. It's really hard for people to find you.
3: And I can't even imagine I'm sure it's difficult for a a dude at that age to get uh, help. I don't know what the '60s uh, <laughs> culture was for mental health. They probably didn't. But yeah. I mean,
4: it was for him. It was a it was a combination of his mental health problems, his drug addiction, and his uh, inability to come out as gay. Well, as we talk about with Joe they,
1: they sometimes you don't really truly understand but when you were, when you were in the throes of the sickness and you don't have a history of any sort of therapy. You sometimes don't know. That you're fucked
3: oh, up. Oh, I don't yeah. think
4: so. Yeah, no. How would you? No, absolutely not. And he also had, he always had that Buddy Holly prediction to cling to. That oh, one no. time it was right. That one time it was right because it was right on a worldwide scale. It was Crazy. one of the biggest events of the decade. You know, yeah. it's not the fucking century. Like, it's one of the it's one of the defining events of the fifties, yeah, without absolutely. a doubt. Oh, in absolutely. music history! In music history! It's top three defining events. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he was right in predicting it. So that he always had that to fall back on.
3: Oh my god. Well maybe he just knew that um, we had to fix our planes. Aeronautics hadn't been perfected yet. I think that's, that's what this problem. is all about. Yeah. Either that or don't
4: fly into a, a
3: snowstorm. Yeah, don't yeah, when
1: everybody's saying don't fly, don't fly, don't fly, <laughs> maybe you don't take off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't
4: yeah. don't take an airplane just because the bus is cold.
3: Oh, is that what happened with Buddy Holly? I mean, yeah, I would. No, that's exactly
4: that's exactly what happened. Is The, the uh, bus was cold. The bus, they there was uh, February, it was uh, the, what, what was the tour called? I think like Winter Wonderland or Winter Dance Party or something like that. And they had the choice to either take the bus, and they were doing it in the Midwest, and they had the choice to either take the bus, which had no heater, to the next destination, or... Or they could charter a flight uh, and um, get there in, like, an hour or so. Well, they didn't uh, and know. And so they went with the smaller flight. Uh, and Richie Valens was really – I mean, you know from watching La Bamba, you know Richie Valens
3: was sick. You know. La Bamba? La Bamba. Yeah. La Bamba. yeah. I wasn't, uh, who's, La, who's the guy who plays? Blue Diamond La- Phillips. Lou Diamond yeah, Phillips. He yeah, he was great. Yeah,
1: the diamond's really good in that movie. Yes, mm-hmm. he is, but Los actually. Lobos came back, right. came under the national attention because of that film. Yeah. 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 Los called Las
4: Lobos coming back into the American scene. With a soundtrack to the La Baba. Oh <laughs> <laughs> right. man,
1: I love uh I love show business stories like stuff like this. This is fucking great. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna
4: be this is this is gonna be uh this is gonna be the show. Yeah, we're gonna be covering the stooges, we're gonna do uh the Sex Pistols, we're gonna do Joy Division, we're gonna do Dead Kennedy's we've got a Let's big, tell all long our list. secrets.
1: We don't wanna we do we're gonna somewhere play our cards close to our tits. I mean there's still I mean, gonna
3: be gonna be a whole a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be a whole there's gonna a be a lot whole lot more than that. Gonna be a
1: whole lot more than
3: that. All right. <laughs> all right. I'll see you when I believe it. Yeah. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. I got to go eat some cheese. I got a business meeting. <laughs> at 5 p.m. Oh, is that in, fundraiser? In I'll see you there. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to our relaxed fit last podcast. The lunch. Um, we can don't. It's not an orgasm. <laughs> I'm relaxed. I.
1: Oh, thank you. Actually, I
3: don't think that is you relaxed. That would be you publicly masturbating, which is not relaxing.
1: No, I've been, you know... Not until the very end.
3: Uh Uh-huh. So we're excited to see everyone. Obviously, Vancouver, uh, wonderful time here. Absolutely love it. We'll see you in Seattle, and we'll see you for two shows in Portland, Mm -hmm. which we cannot wait uh, to get over there and see you all. Love
1: me some Portland, man. So excited. Oh,
3: so excited for Seattle and Portland. I'm going to get so
1: many IPAs, I'm going to shit so fucking brown. Yeah, dude. Be careful, buddy. Fart juice. That's all IPAs are, man. I don't.
3: Yeah, the IPAs are too much for me.
1: I actually would rather I like a pilsner.
3: I like. I just up. want my BLS. I last night I had Miller Lights, and I was also fine with that. <laughs> All right, everyone, hail hey, uh, Hail yourselves! Now again, hail me! And I'm a magustation. Oh,
1: also, June 9th, Bell House, Wizard and Bruiser. Page oh 7. yes, you gotta check out the show. We're gonna be there. I'm gonna be there to see this fucking shit. I'm really excited to see what they do with the show, and I don't know what it's going to be yet.
3: Um, Actually, yeah, we should have said that up top. Maybe we can do something. We can do a little ad or something. We'll do a little ad. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, everyone. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. This
1: show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.